0: Dude, I don't even know where to start. Let's talk. Uh, where, do you, where do you want to start? I'll, 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 I'll do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to start uh, in Africa. Yeah. I think we should start in Africa I where, you know, Africa. we've had a tournament going on there for a good number of weeks yeah. now. Yeah. And we've just had good games all around. We're at a reckon, great probably. point in this tournament now. We're going into semifinals. Yeah. And we need to talk about these quarterfinal games, dude. Yeah. We need I to talk absolutely. about what the fuck went down. And I'll start here. I want to talk about yeah. the uh, the Egypt-Morocco game because, as I've expressed before, Big, big, just fan of Morocco. Not in how they play, but fan in terms of uh, supporting a team. Yeah, you essence. Know? Yeah, vibe. Yeah. Even maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. fanatic in that sense. Yeah. Um, and they let me down a little bit early in the tournament. They weren't as uh, effective and as, as impactful as I thought they would be. Yeah. But then they finally had a good game in the round sixteen. They finally had. Yeah. It. No. Yeah. Yeah. And they looked good. They looked solid. They looked like they could contend. And so. I was really excited to see them match up against Egypt who also had a really good performance that went to penalties, was was high intensity, yeah. was uh, just a, a hard-fought they game. They had to work hard. They worked the, real hard. Yeah. yeah. Really, really yeah. hard. Worked real hard for it and got the dub with the most solid game-winning penalty Shh. that just is storybook at this point. Yeah. Storybook. Yeah. And they match up in the quarters and and I like get really high for it because... Me being a Liverpool fan, I'm also very, you know, into the whole Mo Salah storyline of him yeah. bringing some sort of glory to to Egypt, something that no one has really ever been able to do for that country. A
1: lot of weight on his shoulders when you put it that yeah. way. But the thing yeah. is, every Egyptian is thinking that exact yeah. way. They 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 know it's a lot of pressure, but they also know that he can probably handle it because he's so
0: good. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. It, it's kind of like you can't blame them for putting that pressure on him because of his skill level. It's Dude, like yeah. if when you have someone that's at the rate of the greatest player in the world, like when you have someone of that caliber, you got like like comes with it. Respect you expect know? the world, man. <laughs> <laughs> and man, this match, this match was just—it was so damn hard fought. Uh, both teams played really well, I think. Both yeah. teams had chances, opportunities to win the game. Uh, it was back and forth. Egypt seemed to have the upper hand for the most part. Um, but what I loved about this match was that, to me, it's the most impressive win Egypt has had since probably their World Cup qualifying campaign for of 2018. Yeah. The reason is this. I think it's really, really impressive when a team goes down early – Yeah. In a knockout game where everything's on the line, elimination game, they go down early and they face that adversity yeah. and they turn the the score around. I find that very, very admirable. Admirable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that they were able to do it just on sheer like will and 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 earning it and deserving it really made me proud of this Egyptian team because they won it fair and square by the end. Yeah. Uh, Mosala got a goal uh, off of a rebound and then he provided a wonderful yep. assist. Beautiful. Beautiful assist. Beautiful dude. assist. Uh, got his got his fucking shoe shine by Yeah, yeah. By, like, I've never seen the assister get a shoe shine. <laughs> but it was a beautiful fucking play. Yeah, and it just ended in a in a really big culminating moment for Egypt, who is now heading into the semifinal. Yeah. What, what did you think about the game? Completely deserved for Egypt
1: again, right in the spotlight. You already set that precedent, Mohamed Salah, goal and assist. So good to see. For me. I actually thought Morocco underwhelmed in that second half specifically. Mm -hmm. I think it was really, really even in that first half. Second half, we started to see the Morocco that we've seen all tournament long, super inconsistent. And I I personally, I was disappointed because they dominated in that game against Malawi. Just like basically what you had just said. And I was expecting Morocco to play that way. Obviously it's gonna be a lot harder because Egypt's defense is good. But I don't know. I don't know. Morocco's missing something, yeah, man. Yeah. And uh, uh, when you look at it, uh, when you look at the squad on paper, it's easy to see what they're missing. They don't have a real good center striker. Ennis City's out of form. Mm-hmm. He's not scoring the same goals he was scoring with Sevilla like two, three years ago. And yes, they're missing Ziyech. Is he even going to be in the picture this year? Weird that he didn't get called up. Maybe there's a little something going on between yeah. him and the coach. I don't know uh but even then they still have a good squad and uh, i just don't i don't see it yeah and it sucks because they they probably got the easiest pick for the world cup uh the final round of the world cup qualification in africa they got dr congo who aren't even at this tournament so morocco's probably going to go to the world cup and for me they're probably going to underwhelm once again yeah and it it just sucks because they have good players but I just don't... For example, if they could fulfill their skill the way that Egypt does with their own players, right? Morocco yeah. could be so, yes. so Yeah, exactly. So they could
0: maximize the most at each position. Yes. Which because it definitely feels they haven't done that. Because I feel it's like so Egypt mid.
1: is doing that. E- yeah. When you look at Egypt, yes, obviously they have Mohamed Salah. They have Trezeguet, who plays mm-hmm. in the Premier League as well. But uh, El Neni, in the center of the park. But a lot of their other players just play in Africa. But for me, they maximize their ability. And now they're in the semifinals of this tournament playing really good football to what they can do. Right, right. So yeah, props to Egypt, man. Really good to see. If I have one complaint, it's coaching decisions. Carlos Queiroz, I don't know, man. When when he sets up his squad, it's defensive. So for example, there's this uh, right back that comes on every game, Zizo. Mm -hmm. Dude, I love this guy. It's super dynamic, uh, really good on the ball, and very offensive. And I would just like to see that earlier. Kairos only ever gives him 20, 25 minutes. And I'm just like, I, I, I want to see more of this guy. And also, why doesn't he start Trezeguet? He starts, what, Marmouche instead? <laughs> is it? Is he trying to be conservative at the start of games? I guess I can't necessarily completely critique him because it is working. But I don't know. I'm always a fan of offense, obviously. I'd like to see him be a little bit more cavalier in that sense. Yeah. But because for me, in every game, the first half is always just a dud for Egypt. They don't score or nothing's working. They win their games in the second half. And I think it's because he brings on these better players. Yeah. He brings on these more dynamic yeah. players. Why not start that way at the beginning of these games? Yeah. Put, really put your opponent on the back foot instead of, you know, maybe them giving them a chance to have a lead at halftime. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a. Li- I think Karras is making some sus decisions, but he at least has the confidence to bring on these players in the second half. Thank God. I just don't know, man.
0: I yeah. don't know. Yeah, it seems like he doesn't have the faith in the players that that you would think he would have. Yeah. But also, maybe the players are just outperforming his idea of what they are. <laughs> maybe that's yeah. what's happening. And yeah. The, and maybe as down the line, we'll see that he becomes a little bit more. Uh, like risky, but he, I, I did notice that he's, he starts off super conservative, Such and, a, and super it fucking punishes them. It, you yes. saw it today. Yeah. And When they're fighting against the wall, they had to make a decision. He had to play a little bit more risky. And they got rewarded for it. So, yeah. we'll see what happens there. The last thing I want to mention about that matchup or the implications of Egypt going to the semifinal is that if Mo Salah hopes to have any any um, hope to win the Ballon de Oro, this is only going to strength, strengthen his case. A yeah. semifinal <sighs> appearance at AFCON me. Plus everything he's already done for Liverpool, the Champions League, and the Premier League. Uh, I think this is going to be huge for his just overall image and overall just this season he's putting together. So I I personally would love to see Egypt reach the final, uh, knowing that is happening behind scenes. Knowing that at the same time, Egypt could win their first major trophy, but at the same time, Mo Salah is... Pursuing his first Balon d'Oro. Yeah, that would be dope. Yeah, <laughs> uh, The next matchup that happened today was uh, Senegal against Equatorial Guinea. <laughs> EQG, baby. <laughs> EQG, baby. Um, yeah. EQG. Another game that went uh, just fucking back and forth that was so exciting. This game was so entertaining. Yeah. This game yeah. was open from the get-go, man. And it's credit to
1: just Equatorial Guinea not being the, the best defensively. But also, Senegal just kind of took it to them. But what's so good about Equatorial Guinea is that they have the ability to get back in games. Yeah. Whether it's through passing, dribbling, every player on Equatorial Guinea is actually a lot better than they, they than yeah, they seem to be dude. on paper, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what a game. So fun. And I'm just going to go straight straight to the game-deciding, uh, basically, moment that happened <sighs> yeah, in this game. Yeah, that's what we need to talk about. That's because what I want to go Because up to that
0: point, they were... 50-50. Right they it were 50, both 50 in man. It.
1: Who knows Who what would have f- happened, knows, bro, dude. Yes. if there wasn't the mistake at the back. Yeah, yeah. And Sue fails to clear a lofted ball that's just up in the air, tries to head it. I would have booted it. Mm-hmm. Just boot it. Because Senegal's uh, caving in, yeah. in on the box on Equatorial Guinea's box. He heads it, doesn't get a lot of power on it, tries to head it again. Senegal player gets it instead, goes straight into the center of the box, and the two, oh my God, the dude. two most it's sound almost, defenders, a couple... Yeah, oh, who, that's what I hated. Uh, that's, what, that's what sucks. A yeah. couple who plays in La Liga and Saul Coco, who plays for Las Palmas, don't communicate. Yeah, And yeah. basically an own goal. Basically. I would count it as an own I'm goal. I'm going to count yeah. this as an own no. goal. Yeah. They basically just turned it into, into their own net by doing that. And Senegal take it up 2-1. And at that point, I think Equatorial Guinea knew they're like, I don't know, we can't fucking score. Yeah. Can. The the the
0: emotional weight <laughs> yeah. that goal had was just demoralizing, yeah. oh, bro, Demoralizing. Yeah. When I saw it play out, it actually hurt cuz I was like, bro, yeah, not like that. Yeah. Not like not that. that. I and was actually
1: emotionless. <laughs> I, I, I I just yeah. watched it and I was like yeah. I
0: was like, "Huh. Fuck." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very cold, but yeah, at the same time like I I just kind of went, I got very existential, man. I was like, why couldn't this happen the other way? Why couldn't Senegal <laughs> just have a lapse like just, that? Yeah, yeah, it was a complete lapse, and it's just—it's really frustrating because it, it's yeah. Equatorial Guinea got four touches on the ball to Senegal's one touch. Yeah, and they're and somehow they ended up punishing themselves. Yep, through that method, it should have been cleared. It should have been dealt with. Should have been. It just should easily could They just been. didn't. They didn't make that decision. It just—they just kept hesitating. They kept. Header, header, okay, header. Going Okay, on? I'm, I'm going to no get, get this, and then no, I'm going to get this. Before yeah. they knew it, um, poach goal, and poach it's fucking goal. 2-1, and yeah. the game opened up. The Sen- uh, yep. Mane had a great play on the wing, and yep. then finished the game, 3-1. Finished off the game, 3-1. Um, and, and Senegal, finally, you know, stepping up and having a great game, I guess, at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I first half, Senegal looked great. Mm-hmm. They had like a
1: 15-minute spell where, honestly, I thought they were going to make it 2-3-0. Um, Equatorial Guinea stays in the game. Credit to them. Don't let it happen. It's 1-0 at halftime. But Senegal looked really, really good in that first half. They let Guinea back in in the second half. And, yeah, I mean, that that cheap goal puts Senegal back into this game. But overall, over the course of the 90, I'd say this is Senegal's play best game. Yeah. I Even yeah. though, obviously, it was gifted to them, this was Senegal's best game for me, which is great. Going into the semifinal, that's what you want to see. Um, but... I'm, I'm again kind of like Egypt. I'm still not fully convinced by the Senegalese team, man, because when they conceded that beautiful goal by Janik, when they conceded and it was one-one, uh, some of those players out there were like. I don't yeah, know. That, they looked they lost a little bit of control. Of they the, lost of the control. I
0: Guinea just felt confident. Suddenly yeah. they were fucking bombarding. Them. Yeah,
1: dude. Yeah. Guinea looked good after yeah. they, after they, after <laughs> yeah. after they uh, tied it back up. And I was like, ah, that's not good to see. Yeah. You, you would like to see Senegal be like, all right, well, that's just a good goal. Let's just continue what you're doing. But they didn't. They they let Guinea back into that game because I don't know negative thinking and uh, some changes that were made. Mm-hmm. It just it didn't look good for Senegal. But then they got back into it. So again, credit to them. And good that they had their best game. But I don't know. There's something weird about the Senegal the Senegal yeah. team that I'm just still yeah. not fully convinced about. Okay. No, fair, fair enough. Yeah. It wasn't
0: a traditional great game. It was more so a great game due to the circumstances that happened. Yeah. Um but I'm sure they'll take it. And that's kind of how they've been the whole tournament. They've just kind of been doing just enough to get yeah. by yeah, in yeah, the exactly. group stage and the round of sixteen and now the quarters. And yeah. now they're in the semis yeah. matching up against uh, the winner of Burkina Faso against uh, Tunisia. Yeah, yeah, Tunisia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which was also a really, really fun match. Uh, Burkina Faso. Oh, my God. Pulling off the incredible. Having one hell of a tournament. Bro. That makes me really happy to see, man, because we, we we've had a lot of good smaller teams in this tournament. But little one by one, we saw them get slowly eliminated. Yeah, and swattered. I was like, bro, please <laughs> let just one of these teams... Yeah. Make it to the semis. At least give me that. Uh, Tunisia was facing them. So I was like, maybe maybe it's not going to happen this time. Same. I,
1: yeah. Going into that game, dude, I thought Tunisia was going to win. They,
0: they, Tunisia put off a
1: perfect game against Nigeria, who for me were the favorites going into the knockout stage. But Tunisia had a game plan, knocked out uh, Nigeria. Yeah, it got a little weird because there's a red card in the second half, but still, I think no, Tunisia they they deserved it. Square, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Tunisia deserved it. So going into that game against Burkina, I was like, Fuck, man. I don't think Faso is going to have just enough. Uh, their uh, best player on paper, Bertrand Charari, was out. He's not, he wasn't going to play. So I was like, fuck. But, my God, Verkina Faso showed love. And, dude, they played their best game. Yeah. Maybe ever. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> ever. Um, they played so, so well. They had a complete game plan. And, for me, three players really stood out. Uh, and they've all, they've all had um, such a good tournament. These three players specifically, Kabore... And the two uh, central midfielders of this team, Guida and Blati Toure. When you, uh, if anyone has not seen Burkina Faso play yet, when you watch them play, watch these three players. So good on the ball. Really surprising for me too, because I've never seen these guys yeah, play before. Yeah. And I'm not going to like admit that, oh, you know, I thought these guys were going to be good going to the tournament. Never heard of these guys. And they're playing so well. They're, and what really gets me about this Burkina team... Their confidence level is out, out, out of this fucking world. They play like they, they've always played yeah, like they, this before. They got a swagger to them. They got man. a swagger yeah. to them, dude. Every time they get on the ball, they're looking for that forward pass or they're looking to dribble past you. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, that's a ball, yeah, man. That's like, aggressive. It's so aggressive but they have the confidence to do that. And I honestly, I don't see, for example, a lot of Senegalese or Egyptian players have the same confidence that these Burkina yeah. Faso players do. And it completely shut down this game. They outplay Tunisia from the moment that whistle was blown. Tunisia honestly had a really shitty game. They didn't do yeah. shit. They lost it before the game even started. No, sir, <laughs> for real, man, like, dude, I, I was kind of pissed. Yeah. I was like, how are you gonna knock out Nigeria who's looking so good? Everybody had them like, oh, damn, Nigeria's looking really good. How are you going to knock that team out and then come here and play Burkina Faso and just, like, not even compete? Yeah. it is yeah. sad. I was like, man, fuck this Tunisia team, man. Yeah. But, hey, Burkina Faso. And I was thinking about this just kind of on a bigger picture mm-hmm. level. If there's an incentive to have more teams at the World Cup, it's moments like Burkina Faso that help support that notion. Because Burkina Faso probably can't qualify uh to a 32 team world cup just because it, the process is so grueling it's yeah. over the course of several years and it's harder for a team like burkina faso to be consistent over the over the course yeah. of three years it's almost
0: like a test of infrastructure at one point of like, rather yeah. than actual the, yeah. skill like, on
1: paper uh, yeah i completely yeah. agree because for me it's easier for players who play in the top leagues of europe to come together and and, you know, they have the best doctors, they have the mm-hmm. best facilities, they come together for a week for qualifiers, play really well, uh, and then ultimately qualify for the World Cup. Whereas a team like Burkina Faso and the lower teams like Gambia, Malawi, it's harder for them mm-hmm. because they don't have the same setup. They don't have the same infrastructure. But if you increase the amount of teams who qualify for the World Cup, then maybe you get more moments, yeah. more, more beautiful uh, passages where teams like Burkina Faso can come into this tournament, a a bigger World Cup, and make a run. Yeah, dude. Make a run. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's what gets me excited about Burkina Faso having such a successful tournament is that Maybe we see that in a 48-team World Cup because, honestly, when FIFA announced that they were expanding the World Cup, I was like, fuck that. I remember, yeah. I did not like it, The initial reaction was a little
0: shaky just because it goes against tradition. It goes against what we've always known. 32 has always been such a sound number. It's
1: such a sound number, and for me, it's, like, the perfect amount for the the competition. I think it's, like, the perfect blend of, like, the top teams and then the underdogs. And so for me, when I, when they said they were expanding, I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know because I don't want too many shitty teams. But the thing is, is that if you, if you just get a team like Burkina Faso who maybe all they need is just two weeks to train together and they, they can exceed what their potential is. Yeah. If, yeah. I, if I can just have one Burkina Faso at an expanded World right. Cup, right. I'm happy. Yeah. I'm I'm more than happy. We'll have a
0: lot of, you know, teams getting thumped probably. uh, A number of teams getting blown out. But But that already already happens, though. You saw Saudi Arabia and the Russian World Cup. Oh, God. Yeah, exactly. They got blown out multiple times. Uh, So it's like, why not give us a better chance at producing maybe even multiple Cinderella teams, maybe multiple underdogs teams that we can like fall in love with, teams that we don't know about from countries that we rarely hear about, you know, putting on at this incredible world stage.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, that's what gets me really excited. And, yeah, Burkina Foster, the fucking semis, let's go. So they they do play Senegal. Quick prediction on that. Honestly, and I'm not even trying to say this just because we just hyped them the fuck okay. up, I got Burkina winning this game. All right. I got them winning All this right. game. I think they've had the better tournament as far as games played and how consistent they've mm-hmm. been. They've been more consistent than Senegal. I think they have just the same amount of firepower. Yes, they don't have a guy like Sadio Mane, but you know this is a team sport, and I think Burkina Faso have the better team team
0: right okay. now. So I got Burkina winning this game. Right. What do you think? Fair enough. No, I'm going Senegal. I'm yeah. going Senegal. I think they're going to continue the streak of doing just enough. Okay. They'll step it up another notch. They'll yeah. go up another level and it won't feel like they're still like champion <laughs> The best team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they'll do enough. So okay. that's my I prediction. Easily could see that happening. Other side of the bracket, yeah. Egypt against Cameroon. Yeah. Who coming off an electric win in front of their home fans so uh, dominant man so what dominant, a dominant
1: dude. game holy fuck they didn't give gambia a chance yeah. man they didn't give him a fucking chance and gambia had a great tournament and honestly i don't even think gambia played that badly i just think cameroon were better yeah they were just better in every aspect she she yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: uh so yeah cameroon yeah, did look so really good well. at, especially as host i feel like i honestly feel like i i didn't give them enough credit um, as host going Same. into this tournament same. Usually, I usually I pretty much I, I'm I'm like really big on hosts, but I didn't feel it this time around with Cameroon, but they've proven me wrong every step of the way, dude. <laughs> and I love it, man. Their fans are super, super passionate. Yeah, uh, really fun. Really, you got Eto in the stands. Etto in the stands. You know <laughs> the, the cameras are on. The, the The stage is set every time Cameroon yeah. plays, and they're gonna be in a semifinal. And dude, it's gonna be a hell of a matchup yeah. for this Egyptian team to show up in Cameroon and. Try to go head-to-head with them because so far, they've outplayed everyone they faced. Yeah.
1: No, yeah. That's the thing. I was looking at this. I was like, damn, dude. Cameroon, I don't think they've been tested. Yeah. No, seriously. Because their group, Ethiopia, Cabo Verde. Yeah, Cabo Verde tied them. But, eh, I mean, at at that point, they were already qualified. They thrashed Ethiopia. And they beat Burkina Faso in the opener. But it was through two penalties. Right. So, it was almost gifted to them. I'm not going to completely give them that win. Um, so, that for me, that was the only time that they've been tested. Comoros was a weird game because they were up a man pretty much the entire game. And Comoros honestly played amazing. Yeah. But still, Cameroon did enough to dominate the game, get the dub when they needed to. And then, obviously, they destroyed Gambia. So, coming into this, uh, they're on fire. They've been lighting up every pitch that they play on.
0: Um, yeah, who and, got? and for who me.
1: I got them beating Egypt. Same. Me too. Me too. I do.
0: I'll be rooting for Egypt, but (laughs) I I think Cameroon wins it. I think they do. Uh.
1: For me, just when you look at this Cameroonian squad overall, I think pound for pound they're better than this Egyptian team. Mm -hmm. And obviously they're all on form. I think Egypt's going to put up a hell of a fucking fight. It's going to be tight. I think Cameroon wins this. Now, here's the thing. Uh, Africa and Europe both have stakes here where... There's a setup for Amani against uh, Sala final. It's yeah. set up for That's it.
0: It's a huge, huge African <laughs> title match right there. Yeah. That's <laughs> That's heavyweight. That is heavyweight, That's heavyweight. right there. Yeah. Star studded final. Yeah. Um, Mendy at back two. Uh, it's it, it true. It yeah. is ex-Arsenal player Eleni Al- 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 Eleni yeah. that would be it the looks most, good for the Premier League that would be the most watchable final for the journal masses I think absolutely whereas if it's just Cameroon Burkina Faso for us we'd be so excited but for the mainstream audience who knows yeah. if they tuned in yeah Um. so we'll see man I don't know I don't know I think that my prediction is I think Cameroon wins because I don't have the same trust and reliance with Egypt that I do with Cameroon Cameron yeah. and I feel really safe I do saying too. that the next game the semifinal they will show up they yeah. will perform they'll 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 play at a certain standard. Yeah. Uh Egypt I could easily see just you know not kind showing freezing. up freezing. Yeah. uh cold just not performing the way they did last round. Yeah. Um being inconsistent in a way. I can see it. Yeah. Um but you always got the star factor of you always got you got these players that are playing really well right now. Yeah. Um great match let's see what happens let's, let's see, see what, fucking what happens. happens
1: yeah but I'm, I'm looking for that Cameroon Burkina Faso final man I'd love <laughs> right, that enough, dude fair I'd up. love that um last time we had an underdog truly win the tournament my first AFCON 2012 Zambia won it
0: wow yeah man they fucking won wow. it
1: their coach uh Irv Renard he was the coach that coached Morocco in the 2018 oh, World shit. Cup yeah shit. yeah so, yeah, let's see if Burkina can uh, repeat history, man. That Yeah. Low-key, that'd be, be, yeah. low be kind of dope.
0: I want to start off with this. Yeah. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about, like, everything happening in the world of soccer internationally. And I think I'm at the point now where I firmly believe that Canada is the best story in international football. Yeah. Uh, when you think about the gap from where they used to be to where they are now to the dominance that they're playing with and performing with, to the impact that they're having on CONCACAF itself, the skill level they've achieved and reached. I can't think of any other international team in in football that has reached those heights, that's gone through that much of a change in four years.
1: I'm so glad you said that because I completely (laughs) agree wholeheartedly. This game today where they beat the U.S. 2-0 solidified it for me. It solidified it. Canada's no longer an underdog team no. and I don't even mean no. like, oh, they're a minnow or, oh, they're right there but they're not, they're not, they're not as good as their regional partners. No, no, no. Canada's their own team. They are no longer an underdog. They are playing the best football in the region and they have their own distinct style. Mm-hmm. This team is here and they came out of nowhere. Like you just said, four years ago, Canada was not even on the charts uh, for CONCACAF and now here they are leading it and they've created a gap yeah. and it's beautiful no, to see.
0: They've created an absolute gap yeah. and they are not, they're no longer competing with the CONCACAF of today. Yeah. They're competing against the all time great CONCACAF teams of yeah. of, of the past. Uh, the, that Costa Rica team, uh, those, those strong t- Mexican teams that we've seen. They're fighting those ghosts now yeah. because they are they are going towards new heights that get me really, really excited, man. When I think about how, how they're going to look going into the World Cup, what they can achieve at the tournament. Mm-hmm. This team, if you told me right now that this team would, would has a chance to make it to the quarterfinals, <laughs> I would not question that one bit. The, the, the levels that they're, that they're reaching are just so damn impressive. And I loved oh it because God. I love what I saw today um, in the USA-Canada match. Yeah. Um, just first off, I want to start talking about just the stadium, the way, the way the atmosphere mm. was built. It looked like a beautiful day to play soccer, man. It did. Sun was shining down. Uh, when you smile, you got a, you got a little shine in it, a little sparkle. <laughs> uh, you feel like a glazed donut in that nice soothing sun. Yeah. Uh, midday game, the Americans show up mm-hmm. and you not only beat them you completely dominate them yeah. and finish them off with the classic dos settle finish yeah uh with a banger goal so to glad close that it out. goal went in yeah so I'm glad, so, so, glad. Happy so glad they that gave that, that to in. me as a yeah. as a viewer yeah um and just everything the the the, the characters on this team the the coach uh, the forwards the fact that they did this without alfonso davies or takio the, the the fact that they are are now this powerhouse in concaf What this game meant, I'm just like, man. If you're Canadian, this is like, this is fucking heaven. This yeah. is this is ecstasy. Ecstasy. I. It's actually really scary because
1: it seems like you're reading my mind right now. This is fucking terrifying. <laughs> no, it, it finally
0: it, kicked in for me today. Is what it is. That, it finally same. kicked in. No, the
1: same. Um. The, Watching today's game <laughs> gave me major, major 2014 Costa Rica vibes. Mm. Because when Costa Rica hit the scene in 2012, there was no warning. There was no sign that this Costa Rica team was going to be as good as they ended up being. And it's, this is the same thing with Canada. There, was the, <laughs> there is nothing that, that you can say that Canada can't reach insane heights right now. Yeah, yeah. It, What you just said, they can make a deep run at this World Cup this year when they qualify. They could go, I don't know how far they can go, just like Costa Rica, a penalty shootout away from being the top four teams in the world when they nearly made it to the semifinals in 2014. Canada, I honestly think they can do the same fucking thing because I don't think anybody knows how to play Canada yet because they, they, they've they only been playing this way for like a year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. no scouting reports. Yeah. You can try, but this Canada, this Canada team has a lot of unknown factors. And then insert the best concave player right now, Alfonso Davies. And who fucking knows what this Canada team can achieve. Now, I will say, just to have at least one critique, because they're not God. I, I, I got the same thing, too. <laughs> they're not God. And I actually highlighted this back when we first mm-hmm. talked about them. Canada does, for real, lack a midfield presence. (laughs) (laughs) Like I wasn't just saying that. Yes. And a lot of people mistook uh, mistook that for, oh, they don't have any good midfielders. No, they do have good midfielders. It's just not a part of their game plan. They just don't use them. And the thing is, I don't know if that's a bad thing. Well, it is in the sense that they can't relieve pressure. We saw it when Mexico played in Canada, and we kind of saw it today just a little bit. When Canada doesn't have the ball, they look fine. They look comfortable. But when you don't have the ball for 30, 40 minutes, you're going to let in a shot on goal. You're going to. And, you know, against the world's best, they're going to expose those holes. Now, the way Canada covers up those holes is just through perfect transition offense. Yeah, yeah. Deadly counterattacks. It's so deadly that even the best defensives will get caught off guard. And so that's how Canada's covering it up right now. And obviously it's working because they're the best team in CONCACAF. In CONCACAF, yeah. Um, And I think that... (laughs) It's weird because it is their Achilles heel but it's also makes them so good. Their their lack of midfield lets teams think that they're dominating the game and then boom all of a sudden you're down 1-0 because of a clinical a counterattack. Yeah. And I think again it's both Canada's weakness but it's also their strength. Yeah.
0: No, yeah, I uh, I I noticed it too today because they were up 1-0 and it's like the 60th minute. US had had started just had possession for a really long time mm. and I just started asking the question Canada can you just ice the game Can yeah. you just slow it down mm. and it's just weird their game plan is so it's so direct yeah. they get the ball back they start working their way up towards towards, them, towards the opponent's goal <laughs> yeah uh, it's and it works and, and that's the thing I can't like I am criticizing it but it's worked for them so far, so why change? Is is kind of what I'm thinking. Like, yeah, why, I agree. why, why go against what works so well for us? Obviously, it is a smarter thing to do, possess the ball. But right now, it's working. I just fear for them because come World Cup time, I just don't have the confidence that that'll that that'll work. That they'll Dude. get away with it. Yeah. Um. Yes, they will be in games. They will be scoring these incredible counterattacking goals. They'll be very exciting to see. Um. Uh, but can you just provide me with some sort of just some se- security once in a while. Yeah. Ice the game. Yes. Slow it down. Be, yeah. And this team is... If they figure that out, <laughs> if they implement that aspect into <laughs> their yeah, team... Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, you, we were, Jesus <laughs> Christ.
1: Yeah, dude. They, they, ugh, top three teams in the world. Man. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not even yeah. an understatement, man. Yeah. I had this dark thought today <laughs> while I was watching Canada. Because um, I was like, man, this team can make a deep run at this World Cup. But by the very thing that makes them so successful... They could face, like, I don't know, let's say in England or in Italy who made the Euro Finals, right? They could face a team like that in the quarterfinals, be up 1-0, but by the very thing that makes them so good, they take on the pressure and then they just lose a big game like in the 90th minute or something yeah, just because they could not relieve the pressure. Yes. And... It's going to be heartbreaking to watch, man. But no, no, <laughs> hey, don't say that. Don't <laughs> but I'm there. That. I'm there
0: for Canada. I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the anxiety that I know will will await me on that day that they play oh, a knockout man. game, I, bro. I, it's s- like, I, I know I personally will just need that safety net. Please, John Herman. <sighs> yeah. Please. Yeah. Implement it. Please. Implement it. A five minutes just slow the game down. That's yeah. all I ask for. But outside of that, Canada's given us so much, so much and more. Yeah. Uh, oh incredible God. effort from this team Just making a statement, statement victory yeah. In Canada And yeah. winning this match And my goodness dude. Still undefeated My goodness USA on the other hand Kind of like how you said before they were they were ex- they were bound to get exposed for their just half to half play, man. Yeah. It's it's exactly what happened in this match. Yeah. They start off slow. It, they always take a long time to get settled into games. Even the El, El Salvador game, they weren't yeah, they that, weren't yeah. into it in that first half. Yeah. Then in the second half they took over, but it's not gonna work against these teams of quality. It's just no. not. No, and no, no, Canada no. showed that today. Yeah, yeah, I completely
1: agree. US they have this weird thing going on where <sighs> They play with confidence. Like I, I see Pulisic, I see Des McKinney's playing actually very well this cycle. Um, these players are in form. It's not that uh, it's not that the players themselves aren't working. I I just think, it, it's hard to say, but I, it might be Burhalter's own doing. Maybe he's just not saying the right things to these players, man. Maybe he's not setting them up to succeed, to fulfill their own potential. And you get to a point where, do you start criticizing the coach? It's hard to when U.S. has been in second place this entire cycle. So you cannot take out a coach when you're in the seat to qualify automatically. Mm -hmm. It gets weird. It gets weird when you're in a region where, you know, four out of the eight teams aren't competitive or competitive enough to truly, truly challenge you. All we can do is do right now is just say, you know, U.S., they're good enough to beat El Salvador, but we see these mistakes where they don't get into these games and then it only gets exposed when they play the best team can yeah yeah so it's just like what do you do the only thing I can do right now is maybe blame Burr Halter but even then I wouldn't know exactly what to blame him on because these US teams they do dominate when you look at the stats they always dominate in shots on target possession and it looks good but just out on the pitch you see something something's missing I don't know what it is, because the desire is there. Pulisic's playing his fucking heart out every game. You can see that Pulisic wants to win. And you see it with a lot of these players, but something's not clicking, whether it's that final pass, that final shot to actually uh, win the game, maybe. Something's
0: not there. Something yeah. out there, yeah, and it's just a gray area that that CONCACAF puts you in. When oh, yeah. where you're performing good enough to be in the qualifying zone, but you're playing bad enough to be criticized. It's like <laughs> yeah. it puts you in a really tough spot. Yeah. I think the most you can hope for is for Burhalter Berhal- to just adjust his tactics. Maybe the, he's got to do some sort of change after this loss. But what's concerning, yeah, what do you do? What do you do? What's concerning yeah. is that the quote that was released from him after the game today was that saddened by what happened today. Not saddened by the performance, though.
1: See, that's the thing, is when I looked at this game, I was like, okay, how did the U.S. change this? How do they score a goal? How do they get back, back get back into this after conceding early? The thing is, <laughs> if, if you're just going off of black and white uh, metrics, the U.S. were doing everything right. Mm-hmm. They maintained possession. They uh, they actually pressed pretty well. They tr- Every time they lost the ball, they tried to get it back immediately. I would say they were successful 75, 75% of the time. Everything they were doing was textbook, and they were doing it well, but they still didn't create enough true goal-scoring opportunities other than that one header where Borian had to uh, save it off the post. Great save, good attack by the U.S., but other than that one chance, we had some good touches. Brendan Aronson looked threatening, but but nothing else really happened. So I can see Berhalto being like, look, we played well. I can see a lot of people saying the U.S. played well something's missing. Whether it's pace, I, I guess the only thing I could say is the U.S. should have passed the ball quicker. That's about it. But other than that, the Canadian defense was up for it and they just outdid yeah. the U.S.'s yeah. offense. Yeah. It just came down to the Canada was better today. That's it. Mm-hmm. But see, the U.S. can do something. I just don't know what. So yeah, that is a little concerning that Berhalter just immediately played it off as, yeah, we played well. I don't know. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, know if yeah. I like that.
0: The other squad that's in the qualifying zone right now, Mexico, of course. Mexico. my beautiful, beautiful Mexico. Yeah. Uh troubled child right now, that Mexico. Shh. Trouble. Like that 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 teenager that is just acting up right now. Yeah. And you just don't know how to set straight, man. <laughs> I just I look at this team and I'm so <laughs> I'm so bitter when I watch Mexico, man. I've never been this angry watching them. I watch how they play and it's so unlike any Mexican team of the past, man. Yeah. In my lifetime, I have never seen a Mexico team this uninspired, this uninspired. lackluster, and this non-threatening. Uh, today's game a game against Costa Rica. Shit, even the game against Jamaica, which yeah. we somehow won. <laughs> yeah. um, did we deserve it? I don't know. But we somehow won that game. Some of the most just unconvincing uh, performances I've seen from the squad. And yeah. I think... For me it truly comes down to tata the the I remember I remember when we had Osorio there was a big big debate about his rotaciones rotations people hated uh, yeah. that he did not have a a, 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 I a, a simple starting 11 <laughs> yeah. constantly starting for the team thing is about qualifying is that no matter who you coach you're always going to have to switch out a lot of players it happens pretty often in most squads oh, yeah. but for the most part there's like there's like a strong six, seven players that Core. are always in the team. Yeah, I'm looking at Tata's team, and I don't see that. I see maybe three or four that tend to start. Herrera um, loves Chaka. Uh, Love, <laughs> dude, he loves <laughs> Chaka, bro. <laughs> Gallardo. <laughs> he fucking loves Chaka. Those four seem to always get the starts, and the rest are just rotated out. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just out here asking, that, you know, we were so on Osorio's ass about rotations. Yeah. Why is that suddenly changing now with, with Tata? Yeah. And then we get look into it deeper, look at the players that he's choosing to play. At least with Osorio, I felt that like there's some sort of momentum behind the players maybe they, an idea they, there's an idea yeah. they were informed these players were good together yeah. with that i see zero cohesion dude this yeah. he put he, he made five subs today against costa rica oh, and god knows why he made that many to me that just showed that he did not have full confidence in the starting 11 yeah. because if you if you pick a good starting 11 you don't have to make that many changes make three bro and,
1: and none of them made an impact except for none. alexis vega yeah vega, vega looked good coming off yeah. but literally no impact from anybody else yeah and it's five changes it, and it
0: bothers me because it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like he takes what the players do um and gives them their credit for it diego linus was great in the jamaica game he finally started breaking lines honestly when i was watching him i was like this might be this kid's best game in mexico <laughs> a mexico jersey for senior squad yeah yeah yeah. he hasn't done much for the national team but that's no. why i was like he's actually giving us something right now that we don't have that you lack it's yeah. just willing to be aggressive willing to be direct um <laughs> Didn't give him any game time in this game in a game that we clearly needed to break uh, Costa Rica's um, defense. A play that would have been great in that setting. Yep, None. didn't didn't give him the None chance. Come on, nothing. Just saw what he did in Jamaica and just left it at that. Yeah, uh, it just it concerns me because I'm just like, first off, who are the set five, six, seven players that are the the glue of this team? Yeah. Who is it? I don't know. Yeah, and then how are we gonna go about playing big teams in these big tournaments with this these ideas we have in mind? nine months out yeah the term is right around the corner and we're not giving what you guys are not giving us fans anything to be hopeful about <laughs> no we're just dude. doing barely enough to win the games and that's it yeah there's nothing to be hopeful about once 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 it comes world cup time i i i'm just i'm truly worried and i don't see him fixing it unless he he sticks to a, a set team and he starts rewarding the players that are playing well vega yeah playing out of his mind right now in great form yeah start Uh, him in the next game start him start him him. just show some because
1: honestly corona and lozano they couldn't do anything mm -hmm. today start vega i would yeah fuck it you know you like like exactly what you just said reward the players that are actually in form don't just play on paper your best 11 because that's what it looks like he's doing uh yeah i
0: completely agree dude what the fuck truly tell me What has Uriel Antuna achieved in his career, bro? What is he doing starting a World Cup qualifying match for Mexico? The fucker is living off of one year with a guest pass to Manchester City and and, and now gets these starts for the national team. I looked at his stats. Fucker hasn't scored more than five goals in a season, dude. He's been playing for like six years now. What has he done as a winger? To achieve that, to earn that spot with the Mexican national
1: team. It, it was. He's fast? Yeah, it's bullshit, but it was first impression. I remember when he first got called up, he actually had like a good two, three games. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And ever since then, when Martino thinks about Antune, yeah. he just goes to his mind and he thinks about those two, three games. He's like, <laughs> okay, yeah, now I'll play him. <laughs> and
0: I feel like that's most Mexican fans too. I feel like they have a pretty upbeat yeah. idea about Antuna. Oh, he's aggressive. Oh, he's with Man City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's quick. He's a, he's he can a get true by a player yeah. But you see him, he gets by his play. He's occasionally will get by a player or just run fast. He doesn't doesn't know what to do with it. No yeah, no, 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 no. yeah. I know. Dumb pass Loses the ball. Doesn't produce anything. Whereas no. Vega, he has an idea of mind. He's very direct. He's very. He's, he's actually pretty smart on
1: the ball. I was thinking about this watching the Jamaican Costa Rica game. Is that why? Why is Mexico playing this so lackluster, so uninspired? And it really reminds me of the USA team's last cycle when a big criticism of that USA team was that they're a bunch of old heads. It's the old guard who's just basically given up and there's no inspiration within the team. There's no desire to win. There's no fire within the team. And ultimately they didn't qualify. And what happened after that cycle when they didn't qualify, they basically all retired. New coach, completely new set of players. When I look at this Mexico team, I see a lot of old players. Yeah. What really, what was so inspiring about the 2010, 2014, even this 2018 squad of Mexico was, yeah, it was a, yeah, there was obviously some veteran players in that squad, but there was a huge influx of youth mm-hmm. that was instilled within each of those three squads. And now it's almost like Martino kind of just goes with the old guard of Mexico, just like the U S did four years ago. And we're starting to see very similar things where there's no passion, there's no drive. And ultimately, ultimately there's no true youth coming into this Mexico squad to challenge the old, to, on the old guard or to even just you know, provide some fire to the team. It's a little scary to think yeah. about because yeah. now Mexico is what? A, a point above Panama? Same with the U.S. Mm-hmm. Mexico and U.S. are in the same boat mm-hmm. now for that fourth non-automatic spot. Dude, these next games are going to be fucking insane. Yeah, because now it's cutthroat. Yeah. Now it's cutthroat for Panama, US, uh, and Mexico.
0: Yeah. And Costa Rica just got four points out of two games. Yes. They can get three more points yep. in the next match. And they're, and they're right they're there. Right We're right back. There's pressure on our fucking throats. It's the insane. Last cycle. It's insane. Yeah. So
1: it's, it, Martino has to change something, like you're saying. Martino on, and honestly, Burhalter. So, oh, man, it, it yeah. gets so exciting yeah. because are they... Are they gonna these are coaches, man? Why are they gonna change? I don't know.
0: Eh, yeah. It's scary. I guess the silver lining is that Chaka got a yellow card today, so he won't be playing the next game. Hey, Arteaga <laughs> finally got called up. Finally, out, man. bro. Arteaga finally got game time. All right, so today I also saw El Salvador get a big historic actually. Central American Classico. Yeah. <laughs> First time they win a World Cup qualifying match. In Honduras. 2-0. They win it. They get the bragging rights over Honduras. Yeah, there are a lot
1: of people saying, you know, oh, fuck El Salvador. All You know, arriba Honduras. Which is fine.
0: But, man, El Salvador showed them, yeah, bro. They bro, showed up. They came through. Yeah. And so El Salvador is going to be fun because they, they're hosting Canada, their next game, in, <laughs> in El Salvador. El Salvador, yeah.
1: What a, what a bizarre like just moment in time that Canadians go to El Salvador. Yeah, to play, and also to play a like game.
0: ten years ago, who would have thought that that would be that would even be a, a matchup? You yeah, know, like no, yeah, just, calf.
1: just ten years ago when it was twenty twelve. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it, recent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: So I'm excited to see the anthem. I'm excited to see everything there. But mm-hmm. with Canada coming in, man. I think they're going to put a beating on that oh, Salvadorian oh, oh, team, Oh, bro, man. bro, bro, yeah.
1: And what's funny is that a lot of, well, you know, a lot of people were definitely saying that, you know, can Canada do it in weird pitches in Central yeah. America? Well, they showed that they can on Thursday, and now we'll probably see that they definitely can right. come Wednesday. Yeah, uh, They'll do
0: it twice, I think, in this little uh, Dude, three-game what a cycle. cycle. If they get nine points out of three oh, games, it's ridiculous. my God, yeah, that, that'd be dope. I guess I just wanted to harp on Jamaica for a second. <sighs> because it's like uh <laughs> I don't think we've said a word oh, yeah, on this team. We've a word, man. Yeah, there's and, a reason. And it's I've never seen a team so so um haunted by patterns. It's the same thing every game. Somehow they go up. Somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they always got to go US game, they uh-huh. went up. Uh-huh. Mexico game, they go up. Today today, Panama. They go up. Yep. And they fucking lose control. <laughs> they lose something. control of yeah. the game completely. Park Dude. the bus. Yeah. Do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes. Fight. <laughs> yeah. Fight. Do these players not score and then think or not expect or predict what's going to happen next? Yeah. It seems like they're just, every time that they go up, they're like, right. it's a new reaction for them. And yeah. then suddenly get, they get scored and they're like, guys, what's happening? Yeah. What's <laughs> going on? It's like, guys, you've been here five times already. Yeah. Fucking learn from it. Yeah. Um, they can't. That's Jamaica, man. That's Jamaica. Yeah, it's really frustrating. Um, I don't know. Just
1: their style of play, too. It's not the most entertaining to watch. I'll be honest. I don't really, you know, I, I don't go into these qualifiers saying, I'm, oh, I'm going to watch a Jamaica game. Um, yeah. n- no disrespect. I just think they just don't have the right set of players. I mean, yeah, they have some Premier League-based players, which is great, but it just kind of seems pieced together. None, none of it seems like it was planned out yeah and i just it, yeah. obviously it's just gonna rub me the wrong way it doesn't seem like they have a true game plan which is exactly what you're saying they don't they go up and they're like okay let's just try to do that again and then all of a sudden they're pinned
0: yeah. ag- they're pinned against it and they lose yeah so yeah i just yeah uh, no good for Jamaica. sunday league man yeah uh, and then lastly costa rica um having a great hey, two yeah. game stretch right now yeah they're they really got great. a huge win against panama yeah, um, big win Brian got Ruiz, Brian, El Ruiz. Capitan. Brian Ruiz He's still got it, man
1: He's still got it Just announced that he's going to retire Officially from international football In December Damn so He's got the rest of the year He said, this is it for me My last hurrah. Let's see if we can qualify for the World Cup and man, if they qualify, <laughs> shit. <Yeah. laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> they qualify somehow. Yeah. I mean, they're right they're yeah. kind
0: of right there. But they have like what, 12
1: points, 13. They're 12. Okay, okay, yeah. Well,
0: 13 now I think, with the tie. I think so, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. the
1: 13. So, they're kind of right if they get 3 points come Wednesday. And de- depending on what happens between Panama, Mexico and US, it could be so, interesting. Yeah, could be they really, could make interesting. Things really interesting. They
0: could. I was watching them today and I just I, I, I like how they, they still give mini flashes of what they yeah. used to be. It's yeah. kind of cute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was watching Joel Campbell today Joel Campbell. put up a master class and hold up play. That's he's my been, he's, goodness. He's bro. been doing
1: that for Costa Rica his entire career. Yeah,
0: and you can tell. It's like the type of thing where... If you're striking, you're looking you're looking to learn the game, the yeah. way of the game, yeah. I can see some random coach in fucking Greece just pull up this footage and just be like, hey, <laughs> watch this guy. Watch yeah. how he performs. A and thankless task. Yes. By the way. Yes. And A thankless <laughs> task. But he, but he does it because he wants to. Yes. Because he has the passion for it. Yeah. And it was it was like actually very detrimental to to Mexico and the momentum because Costa Rica would send the ball up and he would suddenly do these really tight-knit touches, yeah. hold possession, use his body, yeah. and then he would either create a chance yeah. or he just pass it back and just or at, keep the ball away. And at the
1: very least, exhaust the center backs. Yeah. It's not like when Campbell gets the ball, they just bully him. Yes. If anything,
0: he bullies back. Yes, and this, bro. Yeah. That, that's, that gets him tired. Yeah. yeah. And so shout out Campbell and, and you know Ruiz still scoring a goal too to, yeah. to get the dub. It's just nice to see them have those moments. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then
1: you still have legends like Keylor Navas, Celso Borges, Tejada, who's in, still in the team, man. Brian Oviedo. They, you still got a lot of that core. Yeah, they're a lot older now, which is actually to their detriment. But it can actually help them out in games like this, where they just need to see the game out. And they yeah. did. Yeah. Nil-nil Mexico, in Mexico. And a fucking empty Azteca dude, fucking Christ Dude I,
0: I looked it up and the, apparently they're still working on renovations obviously for the 2026 World Cup and preparing for hosting that but bro they've been working on that stadium since I was like 8 <laughs> <laughs> it's been a work in progress <laughs> for nearly 2 decades bro yeah, man, yeah. and I just I hate it because I hear all these stories about how Azteca was just the 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 cathedral <sighs> of soccer yeah, dude. Uh, hosting two World Cup finals the only the only stadium to ever do that Damn. this incredible place to catch a football game yeah. uh and i even saw a few games growing up when america played chivas and that rivalry was very intense yeah uh the stadium was jam-packed because people could actually go to the games but now you see what the same has become and it, it doesn't have that same fortress like yeah. uh, essence to it yeah. i feel and, and it makes me really sad because that's supposed to be where we're taking advantage of 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 being home being at home where we're supposed to you know Bully these teams and, and fucking scare them with our fans, but we don't have that right now. We don't have any sort of home field advantage in a way. If Mexico wants a home field advantage, bro, go to Guanajuato,
1: play in that Leon Stadium, Dude, man. Yeah, when is, that, when is tight, a change like that going to be pretty? And it's just, oh man, that, that, that'd be dope. Yeah,
0: that'd if dope. anything, there's a number of stadiums I can name in Mexico that I think would be really good replacements for, for right now. Monterrey Stadium, bro. That'd you know, be could, fun, Yeah, man. Monterrey would be really fun. It'd be a good. One. Uh, it just you know why do we have to settle for for the Azteca? <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah but i wanted to recap and talk a little bit about comebol and the just absolute drama that happened over there yeah. this past uh past round of games to start off probably the biggest game um, that i watched was the peru yeah. versus Columbia colombia match yeah. that ended 1-0 for peru And what was the type of game that if you're Peruvian, you're going to talk about that game. You're going to talk about what happened at Barranquilla, man. It's going
1: to get brought up every time a Colombian says, fuck Peru. (laughs) (laughs) Peru marched into Colombia, grinded out for 90 minutes. And stole three points from no, Colombia. They, they, stole they stole it. it. They stole it. And then it. they got the fuck out of
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They yeah. stole it. Dude, I've never seen a robbery like that, bro. Robbery. And not robbery in the way that, in the sense that Colombia deserved right. it. No no, they, no, 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 no. Peru no, completely no, no. deserved this. Peru, it was a heist. Peru the it was whole a heist. time. The whole time <laughs> they knew what they were doing yeah. and they convinced Colombia that <laughs> they were the better ones, that they had the yeah, better yeah, chance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Peru, sneaky fucking Peru, man. Oh my God. Edison Flores with an absolute beautiful strike what to a goal views Ospina people were harping about 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 you know near post goal but bro the way Edison Flores positioned his feet on that shot you think made going, it look like yeah. he was going to go across his body yeah no he didn't no little stinger yeah. <laughs> stinger of a shot Ospina's shot caught off guard and yeah. he scores on probably the only shot of Peru that yeah whole game. that whole game Colombia, though dude I I honestly can't remember a team of this caliber being so bad At finishing. Yeah. It's been, I believe now, six games without a goal. Without a goal. Six games, dude. Yeah, yeah, They look like me when I'm on FIFA and I'm trying to be the (laughs) top assist man and I'm I'm trying to actively avoid scoring a goal. (laughs) They look so confused when it comes to that final ball and that final touch. And you just look at the talent, man. Falcao had a number of chances that game. Sure, they weren't clear, but even half chances that didn't come close for him. And I was just like, man, if he's... If that's a if there's a better player in that in that position in a, a better form, does he finish it? Does he get a better shot off? Yeah. Uh, Hamas just trying out these long range strikes that maybe they go on target, but just didn't have a shot of going in, and just you know just an, an overwhelming amount of corners, free kicks. Yeah, nothing was working for him. They just don't seem to have a game plan when it comes to that final pass that final touch that final shot yeah and it's gonna be to their detriment it's gonna be their downfall columbia's not gonna make it yeah because their inability to score
1: yeah i i liken Colombia's problem to a disease almost um when they <laughs> when they when they, quali- <laughs> when they qualified for 2018 obviously a lot of people were remembering what they did in 2014 which was phenomenal by the way and I'm mind i'll never take that performance away from them because they were incredible but going into 2018 there was something off about Colombia's offense. They weren't as fluid. Definitely. They weren't as dynamic, and that whatever that offensive doubt that they had in 2018 has gotten worse every year since then. And right now, it's the worst it's ever been. Their their offense is diseased. <laughs> they're infected. <laughs> Whether it's like a confidence thing when they put on the Colombian shirt and they're like, "Man, like I don't feel good. Like I don't feel good in front of goal," or if it's just. Uh, maybe it's a coach Rueda's not setting them up right. Something's off in that offense and it's not working. And it doesn't look like it's ever gonna get fixed in the near future. Yeah. It's man. not looking good for Columbia's yeah. offense. And oh. it's for me it's actually been uh foreshadowed for the last couple years, man. I'm not surprised by this. It's just annoying because
0: they have so much talent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, that's, that's the stark difference I'm talking about that. I, I'm not used to seeing a team with this skill level yeah. struggle so much in front of goal. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, usually that talent will shine through and they'll be able to pull out just something. Just one, one goal. nothing here, no, bro. Yeah, no. Nothing, it's a collective disease like yeah. you said. Yeah, yeah. it's I collective. Would, I would love to know what Colombians think about their inability to score. Just what do you guys think yeah. about just how weird this is? This is weird. This is bizarre, <laughs> Yeah, it is rare. Peru, going with an absolute game plan. And at times, I was a little just worried when watching the game because they weren't generating any opportunities at first. Oh, no. They weren't. They would would steal the ball and just boot it. And then, boom, back again. Colombia's back at it trying to get in. Um, And for a while, I was like, the game plan doesn't seem that productive. And up until like the 70th minute, I was like, Peru's here to just get a point. Yeah. They're just going to settle for a point, and which you, is you, not yeah. ideal. Yeah. This is a game where you have to win. It's The World Cup has started now for Peru and Colombia. Yeah. There has to be a winner. Um, time would have been bad for both teams. And it seemed like they settled for that. Yeah. The thing is, I don't, ah, I, I do see what you're saying. I
1: don't blame them, though, just because there's so much stigma in South America about winning at home. You, mm-hmm. y- you win at home, but if you go on the road, a point is a win Yeah It's yeah. always been like that So I don't blame them But yeah It's always concerning though Because you don't want to lose You don't want to give Columbia three points So yeah They definitely were Going for the tie But usually If you just bunker in for 90 minutes You
0: cave at least once Yes Yeah So that was definitely worried about that But yeah Shit. <laughs> no, and what's amazing is that the one time that they had an opportunity, they 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 capitalized on yeah. it. The Edinson was so clinical, such as well a cutthroat uh, goal to score too. Yes, like, I mean, dude. like that's it, what it comes down to. It is comes that, down to that, is that moment that, right yeah. there, and that that's crazy. Yeah, and so <laughs> fucking ecstasy for Peruvians <laughs> in that stadium because yeah. just such a monumental win. I hope that they can still job is not done. Job not done. I hope that they can still pull out the results that are necessary. Yeah, and continue down this line of progression because. We might see Peru back at the World Cup and I would be happy to see that. Dude, if they make it back, man,
1: I- I'm back in. Round two? I'm back. Round, round two, two, man. Yeah. With the same with basically the same squad, some new faces, and then you still got El Tigre Gareca, man. Oh my like, god. But yeah, that's realistically. It'd that's, be like that's we never lost 2018. Yeah, that's We're the back. most you
0: could ask for. Like from the moment they lost in 2018, you'd be like, I hope I get to see them again. Yeah. This is the most realistic outcome. Yeah. You know, they're gonna have some new faces in, but it's Peru, bro. It's still Peru. Yeah. Dude, I, I've been thinking about ways, the worst ways. You know how people make, there's that show called A Thousand Ways to Die or something like that, which is just countless ways to. I talked about that with a friend like three days ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, holy shit. Yeah. yeah. I, I was thinking about this show and just applying that into the context of soccer. I was uh-huh. like, what would be the worst way to lose out on the World Cup? Yeah. Um, The opportunity to be in the World Cup. And you know, I'm thinking about you know a, a cruel last-minute goal that that sends you out yeah. um, when you're right there, or you know, getting two players get red cards and suddenly you're out of the game and yeah. you don't have any a chance. Harsh penalty. Um, or a game like Colombia against Peru where you're attacking and you're you have possession, but you still end up losing the game. Mm-hmm. But then I saw the Bolivia-Venezuela <laughs> game. <laughs> And I found uh, like. one of my top five ways, worst ways, <laughs> to go out of World Cup qualifying. That was a goddamn funeral yeah. for Bolivian soccer. Yeah, That was one of the most depressing things I've seen <laughs> <laughs> on a soccer field, bro. You had Venezuelans dancing yeah. all over the pitch. The worst team in, Com- in Comebol right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Putting on a fucking show, looking like all stars yeah. on that field against a team that is supposedly fighting for their lives to stay in the World Cup race. Yeah, uh, Salomon Rondon putting on a world a world deal of performance, hat trick on your ass. Yeah, essentially rendering the game done by like the thirtieth minute. They're up two zero. Uh, believe it get a goal back two one, but then uh Salomon Rondon comes back three one four one. The game's done. Game done. And I'm done just and like watching this and i'm like bro this is the complete opposite of the peruvian experience yeah <laughs> it
1: is it's the, the complete opposite because yeah. you go in as a bolivian all right we're on the road let's get a point let's just stay in it at the very least and then fucking this happens hell bro yeah uh, hell uh beckerman is fucking losing his shit hey, on the sideline man, man. Yeah. a lot of people Pecs. really like that signing i think it's a great coach signing let's see what he can do i'm, I'm the weird thing about Venezuela is that they have a better squad than what their point tally shows, you know? They have some talented players. Usually in Copa Americas, Venezuela and Peru, too, always always outperform other teams, for example, like Uruguay, Paraguay. Mm-hmm. They never usually have good Copa Americas, but Venezuela and Peru always somewhat kind of do. Venezuela, not recently, but they had, like I remember in 2015, 2011, Venezuela, ah. even though getting nowhere near World Cup, would have good Copa Americas. So you could always see that Venezuela have something in their roster, but it's just never been unlocked in qualifying rounds, man. But maybe maybe with Peckerman at the helm, maybe he can guide them to something. Obviously, it's going to be a while. Yeah, <laughs> Venezuela 2026, 20, maybe yeah, 2030. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a while for Venezuela, but if they're starting now, if they're really serious about this, if they're starting now, then maybe this is the guy maybe, to do it. Maybe. Maybe there's something. Yeah.
0: Uh, and what a way to jumpstart this new era That's what I'm with saying The a 4-1 victory over a potential World Cup team <laughs> That's what I'm saying It's a great way to yeah. start if yeah. you're Venezuelan Yeah, in front of their fans too <laughs> Hey, great yeah. win for Venezuela, shout yeah. out yeah, yeah And then we had a We had a fucking chaotic match happen in Ecuador yeah. With Ecuador facing off against Brazil Brazil Bro, Alisson got sent off twice <laughs> <laughs> Twice, two yeah. red cards Yeah Stayed on Stayed on, and actually, I think it was rightfully so. I saw the re. I, I like was watching the game, and I thought, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah he, the first time it was off of a, a a play where he got the ball first, and then Valencia ran into him. Yes, it was worthy of like a yellow, but that was really it. That was it. Yeah, um, I agree on that and one. And then the, the last play, he went for the punching of the ball, and then in the motion of punching the ball, first he caught. I think it was Plata or, or one of the yeah. forwards, and got you know charged for 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 uh, <laughs> yeah, acts yeah. of violence in that right, play. Right, right, right. Um uh, but got away with it. And just, you know, a crazy match because there's also two more red cards on top of that yeah. with Ecuador getting one and Brazil yeah. getting one. Uh that we saw a 10 on 10 game for a good 80 70 minutes. Yeah. Uh Gonzalo Plata, I want to highlight. Okay. Put on a goddamn show. Yeah. Really good performance. Uh he's tall he's nimble Uh, he's got a little bit of flair to him he had a play where he got past like four fucking players and laid it off to a guy and he couldn't finish um but he's actively in the game he's so involved in every fucking play um and i really liked his play i was like okay i'm gonna keep my eye on this kid uh ecuador went on to put on a really good strong performance while brazil seemed a little shaky at times just kind of um not as dominant as i'm used to seeing them yeah but as you said I think Brazil went with the idea of this is a South American game. This is going to be both qualifying. Yeah. I think a point here is good enough it's, for us. And they've obviously already qualified. They don't have as much on the line. That yeah. Um, yeah. that's the thing. They went in to just take care of business, and I I think in their minds they did. They got away with, you know, getting two red cards. They got a point. They were away. Ecuador came out much more aggressive, much more um, with much more on the line, yeah. and got a point out of it as well. So. Overall, good game, and I think that going forward, Ecuador now how, now has a better chance of qualifying because they got a point out of Brazil, which no one has really been able to do outside of two other teams. Right, uh, and for me, that's my biggest takeaway
1: is Ecuador getting a point against Brazil, the by far the best team in the yeah. region, and where I had qualms or uh, worries about Ecuador just being can they do it against the best, I think this is a good sign that they just keep working uh, keep performing. I think Ecuador can actually be a lot better than I think any of the world can expect them to, to yeah. be. Yeah. So good shit for Ecuador. <laughs> yeah. They just have to keep it up. Keep this shit up. Keep performing. Keep believing in each other. Cause shit, man. I mean, Ecuador might be for me, like the team to watch coming out of like underdog Americas. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like up. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh Yeah. I can see that. Um, they've got, a big match against Peru next. Yeah. So Peru's going to come into there fucking hungry, bro. Yeah. Hungry. Mm. Haven't been fed in a while. <laughs> and Ecuador's got a, a lot of incentive because if they get three points out of this game. They're in. They're qualified for the World Cup. Yeah. So could be a big, big game for Ecuador if they get a win. Uh, whereas on the other side, Peru could have a monumental day back again. <laughs> Club World Cup this Thursday. Club World Cup this Thursday. Al zero. <laughs> <laughs> Always, <laughs>
1: um, dude! Club World Cup—one of my favorite little tournaments, and I actually mean that because you just—it the idea of it's dope. You get the best clubs based off of Champions League in each confederation, and you put them in one tournament. And you have them play each other, and there's no time wasted. There's no group stage. You, it's one and done. Yeah. You win, you move on. You lose, you go home, or you play—you know—a fifth place match, whatever the hell. <laughs> But it's just really quick, lasts like, what, a week, a week and a half. And I love it because when I first started watching soccer, uh, I I come from a background where I was not born into the sport. You know, my parents didn't watch soccer at all. None of my brothers did. None of my uncles, aunts, nothing. So when I learned that there's a tournament like this, I was like, the fuck are team, are professional teams in Africa. Cause I didn't yeah, know, yeah. I, I, I didn't know. And I didn't know the world of soccer at all. And the club world cup was a great way to realize that the game of soccer is truly global, not just on an international stage because of the world cup, but at the very lowest points of, right. Oh, I'm just going to play soccer for a living or I'm going to play it. I'm going to play it semi-professionally teach on the side because mm-hmm. I love the sport The Club World Cup really uh, opened me up to that idea that soccer is so it's so much more than just a sport because you have teams. That first tournament that I watched, my first Club World Cup, Pachuca was in it, Uh, a team called Tipi Mazembe from DR Congo was in it. And they actually made it to the final that year and played against Inter Milan, against Jose Mourinho's Inter Milan. And I was just like, damn, a team from Central Africa who I've never heard of before, who doesn't play in Europe, who doesn't play in the UEFA Champions League, me at the time not knowing really what any of those were, I was like, they're able to compete at the highest level just solely because they're, they're playing it locally yeah. in their own league. Yeah, And I was like, damn, that's beautiful. And from there, I went down the Wikipedia rabbit hole, man, and I, I, I found myself in literally all parts of the world, Tahiti, Algeria, Nicaragua I was like, damn, there's there's a league in every country And I was like It completely blew my mind And Ever since then, I've had a soft spot for this tournament I know a lot of people don't like it Because it disrupts, for example The Premier League or La Liga It disrupts the European uh, European teams' league So they can come to this tournament But man, I don't give a shit I fucking love <laughs> yeah, this man. tournament, man Because you get these story arcs where for example, remember when Monterrey played Liverpool? Yes, that'll dude. never happen yeah. in a competitive setting, except at this small-ass
0: tournament. I, and I love it. When I was a kid, I remember something I would do on FIFA a lot growing up was that I could, I could match up any team I wanted, right? Yeah. So my team Chivas, I would often play them against like Chelsea or Barcelona. Yeah. And as a kid, I also had no idea that the Club World Cup was even a thing. Yeah. But then once I came to find out about it, I was like, wait a minute. There's competitive matches <laughs> where that matchup can happen, it can where happen. that is a possibility yeah. that could be real outside of like a friendly, where the fucking third team of Chelsea comes down to the United States and plays against like second team Chivas or some shit. Yeah. Like there's actually a competitive version of this, and I agree. I actually I, I relate to that sentiment a lot. What the Club World Cup means to you, I think it's so dope that soccer has something like that because not many other sports have that either. You look yeah. at the NBA, they don't have a competitive match between the best NBA team and the best, the best Euro team. League. It's yeah. always a friendly or an exhibition. Yep. Uh, football, I mean, NFL football, it's it's literally just one league. It's You're not right. anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. This is the only sport where you can see something like that yeah. happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that excites me. And funny enough, it's coming up. The yeah. Club World Cup is right around the corner for yeah, us. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And I guess just to kind of close the note on the Club World Cup sentiments that we have, man, is that... It sucks because this might be the last one this might be the last one of this iteration where it's just quick seven teams whatever the fuck it is and it lasts a week and a half because fifa is trying to change it to a bigger thing right a 2014 tournament that happens once every i don't know two maybe four years something like that which again on paper sounds cool i'm not completely against
0: against it yeah you're not not on,
1: on paper It sounds cool. I just, I doubt the execution of it. I doubt teams. I doubt that you'll be able to convince the past four champions, League winners, the past four Europa league winners to all take a summer tournament seriously when they're supposed to be on vacation or they're supposed to be at at an internet. Well, they wouldn't do it during an international tournament, but since it's not an international tournament, It'll just be weird. they might treat it as like a friendly thing because you know how like a lot of Premier League teams come to the states mm-hmm. in the summer, mm-hmm. play friendlies. They might treat it the same way. And that's what bothers me because what what is great about this little f- format that they have currently is that it's during the season. So a team like Chelsea can't just switch off and be like, oh, I, I, I'm not yeah. gonna play because they're yeah. in the middle of their season. They're on it mentally and physically. So even though they may not care too much about this tournament, they have no choice but to just kind of, once they get on the pitch, they lock in and they're like, all right, let's play. Yeah, And that that's what I love about this version of this tournament is that it is doable from that perspective when you bring in teams like from South America or Europe is that they're gonna play their hardest. And I just, I doubt the execution of a bigger tournament, man. I really do, but maybe I'm wrong. I hope yeah, I'm I, wrong. I could
0: see it having like a, a, sort of like how the Carabao Cup has, you get the, you, you teams put out their weaker teams for like the first few rounds. But I just don't see how a big team makes the semis uh, or final that. and fields that team. The, at the end of the day, a trophy is a trophy, and these big clubs love uh, true. their trophies. True, true, true. They love, especially now in ring culture, it's <laughs> bigger than ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't see them fielding a second tier, third tier team in a final. Once you get deep. Um, yeah. But I could see like the first few rounds being a little underwhelming in that sense of the squads that are, that are uh, presented. Yeah. But it's just hard to gauge. I also. I've kind of come to learn that, that there's constantly change in tournaments. And almost every time I'm skeptical about the change that's gonna happen. <laughs> <Just> saying, <yeah. laughs> but I'm starting to notice that for the most part, the changes like work. Yeah. I, I'm still entertained by whatever tournament uh change happens. I'm still like on board. I actually don't remember the last tournament that I saw happen that I was like, yeah, this this tournament got ruined because of the format that got that it got switched to. Sure. This tournament lessened. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. for the most part I'm entertained and I tend to see the best out of each tournament that happens yeah. so I can see this actually working out in a really entertaining way with it having more teams more depth Yeah. and just the ability to see even more wacky matchups between just Fuck, the most man. bizarre teams <laughs> Um. so yeah we'll see we'll see how that turns out how that plays out
1: yeah, but man. something I, something I, to I hope about. you're right man honestly because if we if we get a competitive tournament like that where you have like Eight South American teams, eight European teams, four from CONCACAF, four from Africa, from Asia. That'd be awesome, man. yeah. Because yeah. that would just completely encapsulate everything that I love about the Club World Cup now and just make it bigger. Yeah, it would
0: generally be a club like World a Cup. true Club World a Cup. A World Cup with group stages and yeah. but let's go through this and let's let's predict how this yeah, yeah. this year's World Cup, the last of this version,
1: is gonna play out. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna treat this as surface level as I can because I mean, a lot of these teams, they won this, they, they qualified for a while ago And right now, you know, maybe they're in some weird form So let's just start off with the first game Host Al Jazeera, the current UAE champions Playing a Tahitian team, A.S. Pure. <laughs> Never heard of him before um, But I will say this, they just got nominated to this tournament They didn't even qualify technically COVID really fucked up Oceanian football, bro they fucked it up. Damn. Yeah, COVID really, really... Uh, Damn. A lot of tournaments over there, a lot of leagues just have stopped for two years. It's just tough to maintain infrastructure over there, so it's understandable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was supposed to be Auckland City, who almost always make it, but they just couldn't do it because of New Zealand rules. So this Tahitian team got nominated instead. So, man, even if they put up even a remote fight, it would yeah. be impressive. Yeah. It will be impressive. This Al Jazeera team, obviously, teams from the Middle East tend to do well in this tournament for some reason. (laughs) They always kind of show up. I remember uh, there was a couple years ago when I may have been Al Jazeera when they played Real Madrid and did great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. They did great. So, yeah. I mean, these Middle Eastern teams always tend to do well. So, yeah, I got Al Jazeera winning this (laughs) first game. right. Yeah. And then we have uh, Monterrey facing off against Al Ali. Yeah, so Monterrey are on the good side of the bracket because the winner of this plays the south american team gotcha. you don't want to play chelsea you don't, don't want to play the european don't. team unless it's in the final monterey against alali alali they played uh the Mamelodi sundowns in their african champions league final and they dominated it i watched that game uh alali's coach is south african Mamelodi sundowns was also south african <laughs> his name is pito mosimane he won the champions league with mamalodi sundowns and then he won it again with Al Ali. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's good. He's, heavyweight right there. He's, he's bro. in form right now, bro. My goodness. He's in form. And Al always make obviously they're like in they, they basically make it to every other every other African Champions League final. They're here once again, and they always kind of give the same performance. It's good, but just not good enough. So I got Monterey winning okay. this game. Yeah. Monterey, obviously, I mean their squad's better. They're always at Club World Cups because they figured out the CONCACAF Champions League formula, bro. Like, it's kind of annoying because there are better teams in Mexico, Leon being one of them. There are better te- <laughs> there are better teams year in yeah. and year out, but it's always Monterey who win the yeah, fucking Champions yeah, League, bro. They, they know they figured they know, it out. They know. Yeah, yeah, they know how to do it. And yeah. I, I don't know. I, I guess we need to talk to them to figure out how to win Champions League because I would love to see Leon play, for example, like Chelsea or something like yeah, that. But yeah, yeah. Fuck! Like moderate. figured out. No, no, no. no.
0: Monterrey and Chivas have been there. Uh, Tigres has been there. America,
1: yeah, America. That's it. Damn. But then then we're missing out on teams like Santos Laguna Mm -hmm. when they had a really good run. Atlas now, who are doing really well. We're missing out on some really good Mexican teams who just can't figure out Concacaf Champions League. Hey, well, it could be an MLS team too. It
0: could be, but (laughs) it never, never, never is, man. Not now. Shit. Um, And so the winner of the Al Jazeera. Parade match Plays against Al-Hilal
1: Al-Hilal So Al-Hilal played a South Korean team In their uh, Asian Champions League final And very similar to Al-Ali Dominated that game I remember watching that game Back in November I was excited Because I love Asian soccer It's always just so It's so uh, entertaining Because it's just so open It's actually surprisingly offensive Just in in merit and in style So I get excited When I see Like a high quality Asian team Play another one uh, Al-Halal dominated The South Korean team Damn, wasn't even in the man. fucking match bro. Pissed me off But it was good for Al-Halal They're always here too They always seem to do well in AFC Champions League Because, I don't know, the UAE teams Can never crack the code yeah. For AFC Champions League finals They just can't Iranian teams have been making it recently But they can't win it either It's either a Saudi Arabian team, Al-Halal, or a Korean team Sometimes Japanese team But yeah, so this time Al-Halal is back in it uh, they play Al Jazeera. I think it's gonna be a tight game, but I actually have I have Al Jazeera winning it. Okay. I have Al Jazeera winning it. Al Jazeera mm-hmm. like in fourth place right now.
0: Actually, so is Al Jazeera in their own league. So they're both kind of slightly out of form. Okay. Yeah. And now the Copa Libertadores champions, yeah, Palmeiras, yeah, facing off against Monterrey in the semifinal, I believe.
1: Yeah, semifinal. I got Monterrey winning. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. The Brazilian football, bro. I just can't get behind it when it comes down to playing against like uh, uh, other style teams. I think Brazilian football is good in South America, but I think it gets exposed when they play European teams. And for example, a team like Monterrey. Yeah. I think it's obviously it's Monterrey is not going to d- dominate them. I think it's going to be a really tight game. But if Monterrey are on it and they play their best they'll football, I think they'll beat them. Yeah. Uh, Palmeiras obviously have, what back to back winners in South America in Copa Libertadores, but they, for me they play a very uh, I don't want to say conservative because it's not, but they just kind of play a very uh, less risk take type of game, and I think Monterrey
0: will expose that with their own offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I love the matchup of a Mexican team and it's a Brazilian team because I'm eternally pissed, bro, <laughs> that a Mexican team was never able to win. A Copa Libertadores during the during the time when they were involved, because I truly think if they had just let it run five more years, bro, you don't think that Tigres side would have won a championship, right? Yeah, and just that I just right. I I I, lo- I would love to see the reaction to a Mexican team, Mexican club team, winning a tournament that's meant for the for the South Americans. Yes, like just the chaos that would bring on. That they they just they I I feel like South Americans love the fact that. Mexico, Mexican a Mexican team was never able to win yeah, it that they, they always, always be able to say fell that so short yes yeah it that's actually such
1: a good point because you know you, if you read on forums youtube comments everywhere south Americans are so high on their leagues so yeah, high yeah. on them but I completely disagree. Maybe maybe 15 years ago, back in the mid-2000s, sure. Maybe they were better. But the gap is completely closed. I would even say that the best, the top two, three MLS teams could, I, I honestly could compete with the best South American teams. Yeah. I, I genuinely believe that. And I think one thing that really kind of uh, promotes that notion is that there was like a, a year ago, there was uh, something on ESPN Deportes where they were interviewing a lot of Argentines playing in MLS. And they were asking them, they're like, hey, man, what's the difference? You've, been, you've played in Liga MX, you've played in Argentine League, you play played in the MLS. What's the difference? What league is noticeably harder? And everyone, everyone always said Liga MX was by far the hardest and the most quality league out of those three leagues. Wow. Out of Argentine League, Liga MX, and MLS. And even then, they still credited MLS. They're like, you know, though, MLS is not that far behind Liga MX and even the Argentine League. Damn. Yeah. So the players, the ones who actually play in those conditions, in those leagues, they're starting to recognize that the South, the South American leagues are not as highly regarded as maybe the fans make them out yeah, to be.
0: Yeah, and I think it's just because of the, also a big factor is the quality of the international team. Uh, yeah. Kind of this swaying this the view of what how good the league is. People often associate how good the international team is with how good the leagues are yeah and it's for some reason it's never been that way in <laughs> south america no like ever no the brazilian league has never been as good as the brazilian team maybe in like the 80s or some shit yeah Argentinian league has never been up to the level that the no. international team is at no but because it's this area a concentration of people where a lot of talent comes from right people just think oh, okay then their leagues it's are going to be, be but it's gotta the be the infrastructure yeah. is not the same the no. the way the, the the league is set up is not geared for for quality, the way that Mexico or even the, even US, the U.S. Even the U.S. right now, now man. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. So, I love the idea of Monterrey matching with Palmeiras. Palmeiras. This is, this is this the is final. It. This is the final of the yeah. Americas right here. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I genuinely think Monterrey, if they wins. play their best game, will win. Okay. Um, and so, Monterrey would be facing off against... The winner of Chelsea and al Hilal. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, Chelsea, for me, having an underwhelming season in the Prem... Because I I had Chelsea fighting for the title like neck to neck for the whole season, I really did. I thought they were incredible last year Champions League run, man, and I thought they were going to completely continue that. So um, it's not that they're out of form; they're just not as doing as good as I thought they would have. All that considered, though, a slightly off kilter Chelsea is still an incredible team, yeah, man. I mean, top team in the world, yeah, bro. Top five, top five, yeah, no. something like that. So yeah. I hope I don't get fucking
0: thrashed, <laughs> but I, th- yeah. I got Chelsea easily winning nah, that game, is, man. Like, is, easily. Yeah, this is an easy one. Yeah. Okay. And so, the final then becomes Monterrey against Chelsea. I hope, dude, I hope that happens, though, because Monterey already got,
1: I'm not going to say so close, but... Dude, put up no, a, they put up a put good up a fucking fight good Game against Liverpool man. Yeah, 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 Really good game And so if they just take that If they take that energy man I'd love to see what they could do against Chelsea At the end of the day I do think Chelsea will win I think Chelsea going to be the champions Of this FIFA Club World Cup here in 2022 mm-hmm. In the United Arab Emirates But I hope Monterey put up a, some sort of fight I know they will well, If they get to that final it's going to be a good fucking game uh, But ultimately I, I got Chelsea lifting that trophy What if Palmeiras
0: gets to the final? Palmeiras, Chelsea, dude. Do, does Palmeiras have a better shot in that context of facing a giant? Do they have a better shot than Monterrey? You know, sometimes teams can be set up yeah, differently. Absolutely. Maybe
1: they- if Palmeiras make it, it'll be because their defense uh, completely uh, nulled out Monterrey's offense, meaning that Palmeiras have a really good back line, which they do. Palmeiras got to the Copa Lib uh, not n- not because of their offensive creativity, but because of their solidity in the midfield mm-hmm. and in the back. So, yeah, I don't think they'd have any better chance that Monterey okay. other than maybe keeping it nil-nil for longer. Okay. So maybe they keep it tighter for longer and maybe maybe they get something off a set piece or they go into extra time. That's the only thing I see Palmeiras doing better
0: is keeping it tighter for longer than Monterey could. Okay. That's about that, it. Uh, but, hey, if Chelsea were able to win it, they would finally win their first trophy since the tragic loss against corinthians in 2012. yeah dude so they i, I re- make up for that <gasps> yeah 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 um, paulo guerrero paulo Guerrero. Yeah. dude you know who just i just found out who was on that team or who's part of that team chiche oh he's in, coaching yeah that's right yeah, i was looking at his coaching history i was like wait a minute he mm. was there mm.
1: uh. and they won because corinthians that year were incredibly defensive a super conservative team with a stud striker up top. And if again, if, if there is a chance for a team
0: to beat Chelsea, it'll be because they focus on defense first. The fact that that even happened is one of the beauties of those this cup, man. It's, exactly, it's insane man. that that happened. That was a, a part of this universe that we're in was Corinthians winning that title and sending Chelsea home. The UEFA Champions League. Winners, bro Yeah, exactly So I, I get so hyped For this tournament
1: Just because There is that possibility And always. honestly It happens pretty much Every year There's one team That loses That shouldn't have Yeah There's always yeah. one And so I just Fucking love I remember Auckland City Had a, had a run to the semis One year And they're, they play New Zealand Semi-professionally It's crazy so there's there's always a surprise at this tournament, especially because it's just the styles are so they clash like crazy. So you can never predict what one team's gonna do. You just gotta go out there and win. And sometimes it gets ugly. And sometimes it gets really <laughs> sometimes it gets really dramatic. Yeah, it's just so fun to watch.